Want to make mom's day? Get to your Nordstrom Rack now and score amazing deals for Mother's Day, which is Sunday, May 12th. Find tons of gifts from only $30 at Nordstrom Rack. Fragrance, jewelry, luxury bags, activewear, beauty, and more. Save on Kate Spade, New York, Stuart Weitzman, and Ted Baker, London. Great brands, great prices. So shop your Nordstrom Rack store today and treat mom to the good stuff from just $30. Life is a highway, and on it there will be many chicken sandwiches. But there's only one Crispy. so go ahead and hit the turn signal if you know about this juicy gem of a detour. This is uncomfortably close. What could go wrong in three, two, <laughs> one? <laughs> Welcome to the NASCAR NBC Podcast. I'm your host, Nate Ryan, back here with a playoff edition of the NASCAR NBC Podcast, where we are joined by Steve Wittard. Steve, is that where you put the, like, playoff? Is that where you put the music? Dun, dun, dun. Yeah, we should add that, because there's so much to talk about there is. this week. There I mean, is. I, I was thinking about it today, like, ruminating on this race and thinking, yeah, I don't know, was it as good as the race at Kansas earlier this year? I mean, maybe it didn't have... That's fair. Uh, quite as much action, and maybe it didn't have the back and forth that Kozlowski and Bowman did at the end. But in terms of storylines, I had three meaty sidebars last night. We had a long production call this morning for NASCAR America Today. There was a lot that happened. And well, and I would counter the finish of the race was as good as the spring, except we were distracted by the other storylines. Right. I really right. think that Chase Elliott storm back up through the field and finishing uh, eventually between the two Gibbs cars of Hamlin and Kyle Busch. Um, was an impressive recovery and impressive drive. We just were focused on other things. One of those things, let's start with Brad Keselowski. Watching the replay of the final restart, and you had an interesting take on the replay on the on the race broadcast on NBC. You said that you didn't think Brad Keselowski did anything wrong. And when I was watching it back again today, he was behind Harvick on the inside on that final restart. Harvick, I think, finishes ninth. Yeah, he went to the middle. Yeah, Kozlowski goes from 13th to 19th and takes himself out of the playoffs. Should he? I know that Kozlowski thought top was better. He was trying to move. Uh, you could do the restart five times and three times go forward and twice go back. Yeah. I, I Before the restart, I thought he was done. Starting on the inside, that row, that far back. That's why I said on TV, watch the two car because um, I don't think there could be a worse place to start to try to hold your position. The inside line is usually the, lower, uh, the slower of the two just because there's no options. You get stuck. You know, if you get to the top, you can kind of take a run. You can move around. Um, I liked his move to the middle. I think it was going to work actually until the exit of two. I think um, the mistake or if you want to call it the unfortunate loss of momentum wasn't really right here when he's three wide in the middle of one and two. It's where he comes off turn two and, and Kurt Busch stacks up the 14 of Boyer and he lets the 47 get to his outside. If you're going to get to the outside, you have to be the outside. You can't be in the middle and he got stuck. Let's talk about what this collapse means for Brad Keselowski. Let's put it in context, first of all, because we, we were talking about this today as well. He comes in, a lot of people were focused on that it was an 18-point gap from Logano to Elliott, but Brad Keselowski actually had a bigger Yeah, coach. he was. He 24 was points up. 24 points up, and I did some research, and in my mind, um, barring a mechanical or an accident, this is the biggest collapse of a playoff guy in a cut race. Um, the big ones that come to mind, Kyle Busch in 14, Entered 26 up into a cut race, finished 40th, was eliminated. That was due to accident. The other big one, Kyle Larson, was 29 points up, uh, finished 39th engine. So when I look at all the big numbers, Brad Kozlowski was 20 to the good, finished 19th, and left three points back. That one, 
is, is shocking to me because there's no, on my little piece of paper here, there's no parentheses that says accident or engine or mechanical or he just was outrun by over 20 points. And that is shocking to me. Shocking that a team like Paul Wolf and Brad Keselowski, you know, didn't step up. The playoffs are about stepping up and they didn't do it. And, you know, surprise, I don't think it was shocking to Paul Wolf. Why he wouldn't admit it. The quote I saw from Dustin Long after the race is Paul said, listen, after round one, we sat down and said, listen, we're going to have to be better. We weren't better, and because of that, we were eliminated, which I almost appreciate the context of that quote. That's the yeah. that's the crew chief that I like to cheer for is one that really paints an accurate picture. So not only did they not have the speed, Stevie, but Team Penske also has this house of horrors with mechanical problems and sloppiness and mistakes we're not accustomed to seeing from them in all three races of the second round. You had the axle problem and the, the, the burned up hub for uh, Logano and Blaney. At Dover. Listen, you don't have to go that far back. They had two 22 cars on the track this weekend and both had loose <laughs> wheels yeah. from the garage yeah. area. Right. It's a simple, right. like, let's be clear. The axle, I've been in those meetings, yep. right? Like, did they do something wrong? It was a part You know, I could give you some context that would say these gremlins happen. A loose wheel on Saturday to back it up with a loose wheel on Sunday, not after a pit stop, but from the garage area, is just 100% an unforced error. You know, and, and I'm not saying it's unacceptable because I've had them. So, you know, it happens. I'm not, I'm not going to point the finger like, how dare they? I had a sway bar arm fall off Indianapolis at lap four. I mean, it happens. It's going to happen. Mistakes are going to happen. But your thoughts or hopes of advancing will be tarnished or eliminated in this case when things like that do happen. How does a loose wheel happen to start a race? Is that just a missed thing on a checklist that somebody didn't catch? Mm, perhaps. Um, there's lots of ways. You know, it, you know it's kind of like um, – all of us do a lot of things in everyday life that are very important that if you do every single day, you start to take them for granted. Torquing the wheels can be one of them. Um, you know, if you if you don't torque in a star pattern, if you just start grabbing the torque wrench and buzz around and it's really loose and the weight of the car sitting on it, you, in theory, can actually torque a wheel up against the weight of the car. If there's debris on the wheel spacer behind it, debris on the wheel, you know, there's a lot of possibles. Uh, but it's one of those casual things that is very it, – it's like a seatbelt driver putting his steering wheel on or buckling up his seatbelts. Everybody is shocked when it comes off, but, you know, steering wheels do come off. Belts do come loose. So Joey Logano overcomes the loose wheel and advances for Penske. Ryan Blaney, of course, already had advanced despite the problems at Dover because he won at Talladega. Kozlowski, of course, now is going to be the focus for how does Penske – fix this and solve this, address this going forward. Who's held accountable here the most? Is it upper management at Team Penske? Is it competition director? Is it Paul Wolf, the crew chief? I mean, where do you think those discussions happen this week? Well, so the problem is, is two of the three advanced. Why I think Paul is a great crew chief, there's going to be a question mark of, of the unison and the team of Brad and Paul. And they've had so much success, but we know everything has a shelf life. Um, what do those two think? I mean, really, in my mind... When you look at a successful organization and a successful pairing, it gets to a point where no one's going to be able to judge those two together more than those two. And I think they've been together long enough. This isn't a conversation for middle management, right? This is going to be a sit down at the end of the year with Brad and Paul, and I'm sure the captain himself. You know, this is, and it will be did we just need faster cars? Are we not communicating as well? Where do we stand? Um, it'll be interesting to see how they come back. And I think a lot of that perhaps has to do with how the round of eight goes for the other two Penske cars. Um, because no offense, but Joey Logano got through by great luck, great repairs at Talladega and some playoff points from earlier. Ryan Blaney ran well at Talladega, but that's an anomaly. 
He hasn't been great kind of all year long, and once again, wasn't that good at Kansas. So I'm not taking it away. Don't get me wrong. Talladega went great. Everybody tried to win it. But I'm saying when you're looking at a global evaluation of the organization, uh, I'm not sure a Talladega win you're going to hang your hat on. So it'll be interesting to see how, how they bounce back from here. So if they catch fire and both of them somehow miraculously, I think, that you would term as a miracle, if both Logano and Blaney manage to advance to the championship round, is there more heat than on Keselowski? And is this – I mean, it's a partnership that is in its ninth year. Brad Keselowski and Paul Wolf won – a championship in year two in 2012 in the Cup Series. They won an Xfinity championship together uh, back in 2009. So they begin together really a decade well, so, so has run its course. So, But that changes the question, right? So the question isn't, are they the right match? They are, obviously. Are they still the right match? That's a very different question. Because are they the right match can be answered by other people. Oh, that guy's personality doesn't match this guy's, right? Well, they have a trophy case to say, you know, that's all wrong. That's why I go back to the only way this conversation moves forward is between Paul and Brad themselves. If they say, you know, we gave it our all and it just wasn't enough. We have to get faster cars. We still believe in one another. Then that's, I think, what it is. Team Penske started off good and couldn't develop through the middle of the year and didn't get better. I think that's on an organization, not just them. There are many other cars, highly funded cars, that would like to be as good as the two. So, you know, I don't want to make it sound like the wheels are coming off, but, I mean, these conversations happen. So uh, it'll be interesting to see. You think they stay together? I do. I think they have too much success. To, uh, I don't know. We'll see. I, I, it, would be, it would surprise me if they go out this way. I think you have a better chance of them not staying together if they won one of the next four races. Gotcha. Well, no question that we know that the driver who advanced with a runner-up finish at Kansas, Chase Elliott, is sticking together with his crew chief, Alan Gustafson. I mean, that was a gritty performance by the number nine team. I don't know if anybody thought they would advance on points. I don't think anybody thought we would see this. I, I, I said it was a car, must win. Yeah, and they thought it was. I mean, Chase thought so until I think he was told on the cooldown laps, hey, we beat Brad on points somehow. He thought until the very last lap he was going to have to win. Well, stage points. The two cars scored five. Chase Elliott scored 15. You know, People don't want to talk about stages. They, they can make up all the re- points they want, but it's not about top fives and top tens. The fans hate it when I say that, but it isn't. But how many points you score in each race? I've seen a lot of seventh-place finishes score a ton more points than a second or a third or a fourth-place finish over the course of a day. You cannot miss out in the playoffs when it comes to the stages. The two didn't miss out. You know, he was okay, but five stage points wasn't enough to finish where he finished. I mean, it was, you know, it's hard. These restarts are difficult. He was in position until him and the 41 made contact on the front stretch. He was in position to advance. It was a cycle of a couple restarts that eliminated him. And on the flip side, of course, Chase manages to get stage points, get the great finish. Uh, He even had this weird situation in stage one where he pushed the guy he's trying to beat on points, we thought, Logano, to the the stage one win, but he finishes second there and gets the stage points again. So I saw some conversation, you know, why does he push him? Well, okay, well, he got the second most points. If he doesn't push him, is that really what you want to do? You know, yeah. cost yourself points? Yeah. I wouldn't do that. I, yeah. I think I, I'm not that good. I would, I would try to get as good as I can every I think run. The, I think the question was it was a five-wide situation. And I know the outside, the top, is where you wanted to be, and that's where Logano was. And so Chase had to go there. I want every driver to drive like they're trying to improve their own car. As soon as they start trying to get to – listen, it's like a trick play. Just block, tackle, and run the football. Yeah. If you control the line of scrimmage and you run the football, then everything else is easy. 
If you ask your driver to start doing math and it, like stop, 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 stop. I want you to go as fast as you can go. Yep. I want you to be as aggressive as you can be, and I want you to take your vehicle to the best finish possible. If there's ever a reason I don't want that, I'll let you know. But until you hear anything else on the radio, go forward. And I think that like it's a net. You know, we treat this as a chess match because it looks like one. But chess is played very slowly on a board in an air-conditioned room. These guys are driving 180 miles an hour with split-second decisions. You know, this is not a slow sport at all, and I think these drivers have to go wherever their instinct tells them, moves them forward. Another guy who made all the right decisions was Denny Hamlin. Wins the race, uh, enters the round of eight and Martinsville Speedway now, which, of course, is one of his best tracks with a ton of momentum. It was like his seventh word or eighth word after he got out of the car, I think. (laughs) I was counting words. Martinsville came up very quickly. (laughs) It was kind of like Larson. Uh, after the win at Dover, although for a different reason in this case. But maybe, but Larson was right. Yeah. So does that mean Denny's going to be right? I don't know. <laughs> we'll see. D- does it feel as if this is the year of Denny Hamlin? I mean, and I know that, you know, putting this in context, you were talking about this earlier. A year ago, I don't know if anybody thought Denny Hamlin would be in this position at this point. Twelve months ago, I would have no problem saying that I wondered if Denny Hamlin would be a driver in Joe Gibbs in 2020. I figured he would get 19. We knew Christopher Bell was coming. We knew Eric Jones was com- was there. To take a year back, he was the big salary who hadn't won, right? We knew Truex was going there. Um, we knew Kyle Busch was winning. Denny Hamlin, his resume can't be argued, but the simple fact is at some point, your value is not agreed upon. Denny Hamlin, I have no idea what he makes, but it's a lot more than younger, newer drivers. And a year ago, I think he would admit, if you sat him here, he might not admit it then because great stars will never. Great stars continue to fight. But if you say, look back 12 months, I think he would tell you that there had to be some sort of concern inside. He gets a crew chief change, wins the Daytona 500, continues to win 12 months later. He is a championship favorite. He has won in the playoffs. And more importantly for me, he is talking to the CEO of FedEx, the first person he talks to. Yep. So in a sport in which sponsors drive the ship, and he has had a wonderful sponsor with FedEx his entire career. They've, they've supported NASCAR as long as I have been around. FedEx has been in this sport. To have the CEO, not a marketing guy, not a division head, the guy that makes the decisions, the guy that created the company, when he's watching and he's congratulating you, I don't know how things could get better for a race car driver. I think that might have been something we all overlooked. I saw it for this uh, podcast. I did a narrative episode for this podcast where I went with Denny to Memphis uh, back in the spring, and I saw him talking to all these executives, and I saw the way he is treated at those headquarters. I mean, that may have been what we overlooked. The results... Like, name another. Look at the Fortune 500 companies. There are a lot of CEOs that get introduced in the driver's meeting from time to time. Yep. I, I don't want to discount the involvement of the executive of all these. They, it's amazing the support NASCAR gets. But when you see a driver get out and they hand him a phone and it's the CEO of the sticker on the hood well, who has been there for it. Well, I was going to say, when it's Fred Smith, when it's the guy who gets mentioned in Castaway, yes. the movie. Yes, it's <laughs> I mean, the, when it's the man who... This is who, a big name. What's the, what's the story? The man who wrote the college paper that they said would never work right. that created a billion, multi-billion dollar industry. Right. When he is supporting you, that's a pretty good guy in the in your corner. I had somebody at FedEx tell me d- during that visit that Denny is their number one athlete. I mean, they, you know, they have a lot of relationships in the PGA Tour. Yeah, it's a FedEx and, championship. And yeah. Yeah, a, a lot of relationships with big-name golfers and other sports, but Denny is the face of FedEx. And, and give me a reason market. why he shouldn't be. Like, when I look at Denny, right, there are people that don't love his confidence, his swagger, his Jordan, you know. Great. I, I, like, I, I think that makes him more uh, – appealing to a fan base, that, mm-hmm. that he 
wants to win, that he's out there to win, that he's not afraid of taking the superstar mentality. And in today's world of, of uh, you know, equality and nobody wants to stand out and nobody wants to brag too much, he's the opposite. Why he doesn't brag, he has no problem telling you how good he is and he has no problem telling you he has what he has because of how good he is. And there's some of that that's refreshing when it comes to sport. You know, sports aren't the rest of the world. All the rules for the rest of the world, they don't apply. It's just entertainment, let's be clear. So in entertainment, I want somebody to not only tell me he's the best and show me he's the best, and right now, it'd be hard to argue that he's not the best in the NASCAR series. And he has more confidence than I think we've seen in years, and I think it's because of the crew chief. He's got this guy, Chris Gabehart, who I don't know if he knew him very well. I mean, that, that wasn't... When he when Mike Wheeler became his crew chief, that was Denny's call. That was Denny's hand-picked. He said at the time, this is going to be the crew chief for the rest of my career. So he had to sort of buy in on Gibbs saying... We don't think Wheeler's right, despite your relationship. This is your new guy, and it's worked. But I think what he needed was the pressure of choosing the crew chief taken off. Like, Mike Wheeler is a very good crew chief. He's doing great things in the 95. He's a smart guy. I had it with Jeff Gordon. You can be too close with your driver. You can be too much water under the bridge. Can you have the tough conversations when you have to do it? Um, Those things are real, and I don't know the inner workings of the 11 team currently. But whatever it is, it works. Um, so if I am an opposing team, I'm doing everything I can to make Denny Hamlin not feel good about himself in the next three races because I think he's homestead bound. I think he's going to Miami. Um, I would make sure he doesn't do it through a victory lane. It's worked in the past. The mind games certainly worked for Jimmy in 2010. So he's a much older, wiser driver. I don't think it's going to be mind games. Yeah. I think it's going to be a bumper, a fender, or beat him on the racetrack. Huh. I don't think t- t- saying he could care less what you say. See, that's interesting because uh, there was the situation during the race where Denny Hamlin wins stage two, but at the very end, what's notable about it is he gives Jimmy Johnson a lap back. He lets Jimmy Johnson get back on the, lap, on the lead lap, and he said after the race, much like he said about racing Kevin Harvick at New Hampshire, the reason he didn't take Kevin Harvick out at New Hampshire is because he didn't want him to come back on him. He said about Jimmy, hey, I'm putting a deposit in the bank, as he says. These things turn around, and I think it goes back to, I mean, it feels like Chase Elliott Martinsville two years ago still remains fresh in Denny's mind about how that, that kept him out of the championship round. I think he, I think a 2010 Denny would deny it. No, 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 no. I think a 2019 Denny would, if you could ever, you couldn't do it in season. When we get done with the season and he doesn't have the armor up of being a competitor, He's a smarter, wiser guy. Both Chase and Denny learned something from that incident. Uh, And I think you're seeing the results of what Chase has learned and what Jimmy has learned, excuse me, Denny has learned. I think they both have realized, like, you know, Denny meant to do it, but didn't quite mean to do it that bad. And he realized, like, but you can't take it back. And that's why when Chase got him at Phoenix, you know, Denny was pretty quiet about that. He, like, it was a big moment, and he, he, you know, he voiced his displeasure, but he kind of just said, you know what, yeah. I'm going to take my bag and go home because I had that one coming. Yeah, he took his medicine, no question. Another guy who took some medicine before the race Sunday in the form of a cortisone shot, Yeah, Kyle Larson drives with, we're not really sure how injured Kyle Larson's ribs are, and I think that, so, that for me was part of the problem. <laughs> so can, I just, can I just be clear? <laughs> if Instagram didn't exist, nobody would know? Yes, very true. So I'm not going to shame Kyle Larson. Like, I like the interaction with the drivers. Mm-hmm. I, want the fans, I want the fans to see a guy with ice on his ribs because we all took for granted those wrecks at Talladega and the spectacular fit by Brendan Gaughan. You know, I want Kyle Larson to get out and say, yeah, this hurt because why it's spectacular and I don't want anyone to ever be hurt. I think we need to be reminded that he just didn't pop out and feel great. Like, there was some lingering effects. I'm not a driver, so I can't voice 
my agreement or disagreement. I know Dale Jarrett went on record to say he didn't think he should be in the car. So I'm responsible for a lot of things as a crew chief. My man's ribs were never on the list. So, you know, that that was up to him. Yeah. You know, Dale, I went through injury with Dale with the concussion. Um, I think that's a little bit different. It's not an x-ray, and it's a little bit more difficult for a doctor to say, hey, your ribs are good or bad when it comes to concussions. Yeah. I went through that process with him just so he knew whatever the decision him and the doctor made, I was going to support. I made sure I didn't vote. This is not my place. A driver's health is his own place. So it's not as simple as Chip Ganassi or Doug Ducart at Ganassi stepping in and saying, I think that would be the worst thing you could do. Yeah, okay. I think you need to leave it up to your driver. How many How many athletes – let's take concussions out. I'm gonna, I want to preface that by saying when you injure the decision-making tool, someone needs to step in and help you make the decision. That's a completely different situation. When you start talking rolled ankles, broken legs, broken wrists, Ricky Rudd had his eyes taped open. How many casts have we seen put around a steering wheel? Terry Labonte won a championship with a broken wrist or thumb or hand. I feel that minus any sort of head injury, it needs to be you, you know the doctor and or the patient, which is the driver. Well, Larson still almost – won that race I mean, he said he had a top three car he finished 14th because of the, l- the last three restarts he got shuffled to the back actually he said if he would have gotten ahead of Hamlin uh, I think on the third to last restart they were one two game if, over yeah if, if Larson game said if, he, if I get ahead I might win but Denny got out there and then I'm caught in the weeds in the back not a great day for the team in the pits they stalled they had a couple of bad stops uh, there was uncontrolled so that's tire. why Kyle Larson should be in the car I mean, if you put a backup driver in the car and you have a bad day in the pits well, were they not focused? Were they not this? Did they not care? Now you can move forward as an organization. And now as a crew chief, I can get them together and say, all right, boys, what was that? That's not going to work. You know, our man was close to winning that race. We weren't. That's my argument of, of like I said, I, I don't think anyone can make that decision but Kyle Larson, but that's the exact reason why a crew chief, a general manager, an owner shouldn't make that decision. Yeah. And as long as, God forbid, his ribs aren't broken in an x-ray this week, that no harm, no foul for racing 400 miles in Kansas. I mean, even if they are, do you think he won't be in the car at Martinsville? Let's be clear. <laughs> it's true. Flak jacket. I watched Jeff Gordon uh, yeah. blow a tire at Texas, and the next week I was the smallest guy on the team, if you can believe it, back then. And my job was to go in the right side and help him get his shoulder belts on because he couldn't reach up over his shoulder. Hmm. You know, like, <laughs> you know, like, he's not the first guy, right? Like, <laughs> stuff a flat jacket in there and put the belts on there and roll on out and good luck. Yeah. Right? Like, I mean, I'm not trying to discount the pain he's in, but, I mean, just Google Injured drivers driving NASCAR. The stories are deep. Very, very deep. Ricky Rudd should be Exhibit A probably with the tape dial. I mean, I'll never forget Terry Labonte. We were racing him in 1996, and he blew a tire or something happened at Phoenix, and he hit the wall and broke something in his hand. I don't want to speak a thumb, wrist, something. And he beat the 24 car with the cast on. Hey, I remember Mark Martin hitting the wall, I think, practice at Daytona, July race, and I don't know what he broke. He Multiple bones. And the next week, Pocono Media Center, I was covering it for the Richmond paper, Mark Martin hobbles in to the news conference in Pocono and does it as if, hey, this is what I, you know, I'm ASA mid, Midwestern short track driver. This is the way it works. I'm, I signed if up we this. think we're going to put normal decision-making quotes around race car drivers, we're done. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Their brains are wired differently from the rest of us. If they're wired. Yeah, if they are. <laughs> These guys are gladiators. Like, I know we, we don't want to take that away because the cars are safer because they should be. Yep. And the walls are safer because they should be. Their office is inherently very dangerous. Like, you know, when I don't go, the most dangerous part of my job is to travel to and from. 
It's not once I get there. Yep. Their, their travel is, is not the most dangerous part. So speaking of burning intensity and a driver and a superstar, I'm going to wrap up with one more Kyle because you talked about Kyle Busch heading into Kansas that you felt like this could be the beginning of really a new beginning for Kyle in the playoffs. Uh, he finishes third. He overcomes a throttle problem during the race. He overcomes a really loose wicked car on Friday, which he almost lost in practice. Mm -hmm. And yet I went up to talk to him after the race, Stevie, and you may not be surprised to learn that Kyle Busch was not a very happy individual with finishing third. I said, hey, did you get your mojo back? Nope. This is the way we're supposed to run. And then, you know, he kind of made a little crack about the rules. So the <laughs> here's the difference, though. Outside the car, Kyle was different, but from what I heard inside the car, it wasn't. I, he seemed a little more patient working through yeah. the throttle situation. Like, he felt like he knew... We're getting in the postseason, boys. It's time. Like the first round, ah, second round, better dial it up a little bit because next round's not going to be easy. So, I, you know, listen, I love that Kyle hates third. Yeah. I love that Kyle, if he doesn't like the rules, he's going to tell you. Fine with me, too. I, I guess I'm the only one out there that, that I'm okay with what I get. Like, I'm okay for drivers being drivers and not liking what they have to say. I'm okay with it, too. I, I like getting unfiltered Kyle every time. I was just surprised that it wasn't more – I mean, he's not a rah-rah guy. I know that. But it wasn't more like, hey, this is our second best fin finish of the playoffs. We're starting to finally turn no, the no, corner. No, no, no. Listen, he just doesn't no, care about that stuff. No. no. <laughs> he doesn't put second-place ribbons on the trophy case. Okay. When you have as many trophies as he do, you, you, you take down trophies that aren't that big. Yeah. Forget second- and third-place ribbons. <laughs> No, no, no. And he knows. You know why he knows? Because without a doubt in my mind, the champion will win in the next round and Miami. The champion still has two wins in him. Like, this field's too good. You're going to win to win the championship. So, speaking of, who do you like at Martinsville? Danny Hamlin. Walk-off win at Martinsville. Two and a half weeks to work on his Miami car. Bar the door. Run the fence all night. Hmm. Good luck. Said okay. it 10 weeks ago, said it 15 weeks ago, said it 20 weeks ago, said it in February. I'm going to stick with it. I think Denny Hamlin has done nothing great the entire playoffs, nothing bad the entire playoffs. He did everything he had to do. His calculation was uncomfortably accurate. His calculation at Talladega, he was the only one there that never got his heart rate up until the last couple laps. He's making too many good decisions. I think he's going to have to battle his teams, team cars. Probably both of them. I think Chase Elliott, from what I see, is going to join them there. But we have to go run the races. Danny Hamlin is going to be tough to beat in the next four weeks. So you think him and Gabehart have been looking at this race for a while? I, I think Denny Hamlin um, is going to unfortunately put Mark Markin back on the on the list of the best who has never. Okay. I wow. think Denny Hamlin wins the championship, and I think he does it by winning Martinsville, and and that alleviates so much stress. Like if you win this week, and he look, I mean, look how he's so calculated there. I mean, how, you know, of all yeah. places, if you said, "Hey, Denny Hamlin, you have one race to make the championship for. Where would you go?" I think we would all pick yeah. Martinsville. All right. Well, we'll see if uh, that comes true this Sunday. Uh, as always, man. Thanks for being here. Appreciate Should it. Should be a blast. I mean, heck. Surely there can't be that much to talk about in the next three races. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know, man. Martinsville. I know can't it's gonna be great. Our thanks again to Steve Letarte for joining us on the NASCAR and NBC Playoff Podcast. As we discussed, Martinsville Speedway this weekend for the NASCAR Cup Series. Coverage of qualifying on Saturday on NBCSN, 4.30 p.m. Eastern. That's qualifying at Martinsville Speedway, Saturday, NBCSN, 4.30 p.m. Eastern. And then on Sunday, we'll have the opening race in the round of eight from Martinsville Speedway, Coverage begins on NBCSN at 1.30 p.m. with NASCAR America, and that leads into Countdown to Green 
at 2.30 p.m. Eastern on NBCSN, and then 500 laps at Martinsville Speedway to possibly determine the first qualifier for the championship round of the 2019 playoffs. You don't want to miss that. All of the action this weekend on NBCSN. The NASCAR and NBC podcast is available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Play, Stitcher. Please leave a rating and review if you like what you're hearing. That really helps us out in spreading the word. And if you'd like to see the video version of this podcast, we also post that on YouTube. If you want to see Stevie and I chatting on camera while also splicing in some highlights, uh, definitely check that out. Uh, we've enjoyed doing that as part of our playoff podcast editions. That's the YouTube edition. That's the Motorsports on NBC Channel. You should also subscribe there. We have lots of great highlights, video, content, tons of good stuff there on the Motorsports on NBC Channel. If you have any feedback on the NASCAR on NBC podcast, you can send me on Twitter at Nate Ryan is my handle. Thanks again for listening to the NASCAR on NBC podcast. Want to make mom's day? Get to your Nordstrom Rack now and score amazing deals for Mother's Day, which is Sunday, May 12th. Find tons of gifts from only $30 at Nordstrom Rack. Fragrance, jewelry, luxury bags, activewear, beauty, and more. Save on Kate Spade, New York, Stuart Weitzman, and Ted Baker, London. Great brands, great prices. So shop your Nordstrom Rack store today and treat mom to the good stuff from just $30. Life is a highway, and on it there will be many chicken sandwiches. But there's only one crispy. so go ahead and hit the turn signal if you know about this juicy gem of a detour.